0: Erotic Awakening, Myths of the Scene, Dom Titles, and Engorged Loins, BDSM and Non Standard Relationships, Star Exchange and Polyamory, Sacred Sexuality and Fetishes, as well as 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 Simply Simply Fun Fun Kinks. You'll find shows on all these topics and all things Dan and Dawn at EroticAwakening.com. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Sequential Sex Podcast. Explore erotica and sex as it is depicted in comics, graphic novels, and more. Find out more at www.sequentialsexpodcast.com.
1: Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right
0: now. Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. Do you think that it is a myth of the scene that all good kinksters listen to the Erotic Awakening podcast? Is it a myth? No, I think all good kinksters listen to the Erotic Awakening podcast. I don't know that all of them (laughs) listen to it, but I'm glad that some of you, and I'm glad that you people that are listening to it today are. Today, we are going to be talking about some myths in the scene, though. We're also uh, going to be talking about engorged loins, which I really can't even say anything about until we get there. (laughs) But Dawn, we're going to start off with this question of the day. What is a good title for my Dom? Now, you came up with this question, because I don't have a Dom. Well, that is true, but you can have an
1: opinion of what you'd like to be called. So, and I would I would think that Dom means Dom or Master, uh, you know, basically the capital letter type in the hierarchical relationship. So, and really, I mean, sometimes that's hard to come up with. You know, a good title? Are you a Dom? Are you a Master? Are you a Sir? Are you Lord King Dragoncock? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so,
0: what are some good options well, for
1: masters?
0: you've certainly just named a couple of them. Right. Um, some people that are bio or or prefer to be recognized as female prefer mistress mm-hmm. or ma'am or madame. Um, or dame.
1: Or, or dame, Dom, sure. Or
0: some of them are masters as well. Some of those can. Are, so sometimes it could be gender based, but. I I mean, really, isn't the right answer going to be, why don't you just ask that capital letter type and...
1: Yeah, I think they're just trying to come up with ideas that aren't master or dom. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you could say, um, I know somebody that used to use himself. Mm -hmm. You know, I know someone that uses herself. Mm -hmm. So when their slave talks about them, they call them herself. You know, when I serve tea to herself... You know, Mm -hmm. and it started out as a joke and then it kind of stuck. So, but that's not one. So maybe somebody, maybe they're looking for something unique.
0: And sometimes people don't like the using the term master, Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of baggage that goes with it and they want something different, something special. We certainly know a a lord or two. Mm -hmm. We know a lot of sirs and we know a fair number of other. Titles, excuse me, titles. <coughs>
2: um,
0: <laughs> but really, I don't know. I think it really, now you and I are are also known for occasionally we'll make up words when things ah, don't fit. Right. I was or, hoping you were going to bring that up. I was going to say with uh, Slave Bat, we had some baggage to get rid of before Master Slave fit. So we used uh, ancient Sumerian mm-hmm. language um, so that we would have a word that was our own. And it had the same power. It had the same meaning. It had, you know, he who or she who leads, basically. Right.
1: Right. And we've done that for slave names before, too. Absolutely. With um, Slave A. Mm -hmm. There was a specific word that we had for her as well that it meant a little more than slave or, you know, it had other connotations Mm -hmm. to it as well. So that, um, but yeah, we looked up and that word was totally made up. Because you Googled that, and it didn't exist anywhere. Right. So so that was kind of
0: neat. You know, and there's a, a interesting bit on two different aspects of that. Mm-hmm. I was recently speaking with, we'll just call him N. Mm-hmm. we Or we could call him the provider of fresh farm eggs. Mm-hmm. And he was asking me about uh, Kaya. Is she a submissive or is she a slave? And I was explaining to him, well, I'm not really sure myself. She's collared. Mm-hmm she's not really my submissive, but she's more not really my slave. We're really getting that language. It's just like this middle ground between the two that we're really having a challenge coming up with right, just the right title for that person. Right. Um, It was really interesting to have that conversation with somebody and and say, well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I know how I perceive, you know, and, and I actually explained a little bit of this to her that in general, here's what I, here's how I perceive a slave. And she doesn't quite fit there. Mm-hmm. And here's how I perceive a submissive, and she doesn't quite fit there, you know. So finding that right title that for her as well. Right. Getting, I know it's getting away from our topic a little bit.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Funny thing is, uh, Kat is a little bummed because we have a boyfriend girlfriend relationship, right? And she doesn't get a cool title, right? So much like D 2 in your life, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. really get a cool title. He's just boyfriend. Right. You know, and when you spend a lot of time in power exchange circles, you know, when when you earn the title of slave or master or even acknowledged as someone's submissive, you know, that's a very that's kind of a neat possessive sort of connecting to the other person, where at least in our circles, boyfriend, girlfriend, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's nice. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting
1: as well. That is interesting. So and it's also kind of weird because D2 He's he's my boyfriend, but he's in his late forties. Boyfriend doesn't yeah. really work. So, and then you've got poly circles, right? So, are they my boyfriend, girlfriend? Are they my significant other? Are they my <laughs> partner? Are they my nestmate? Are they? So, it's not just DOMs and subs that have mm-hmm. problems coming up with different titles. You know, in the poly world, it, it's the same thing. So, you know, is D two my partner, my SO, my boyfriend, my, you know, and it just gets to the point where you have to get to where labels just really don't matter. Mm -hmm. But I can see in the power exchange world why you want a title because a lot of people do go, I mean, D2 doesn't go by boyfriend D2, right? right? Whereas Master Dan goes by Master Dan in the power exchange world. So, you know, if you were King Dan, that would have a different feel to it. Mm -hmm. Or if you were... CEO Dan, that would have a different feel to it, you know, so I can see why they want different titles. And I feel like I should know more titles and just none are coming to mind. I mean, uh, squire, lordship, (laughs) uh, king, you know, all that stuff is in there, too. You know, what what fits for your relationship?
0: Yeah. You know, I I think overall, I would say um, try them out. And see which one feels right, and if nothing feels right, then make up a word mm-hmm. and go with that for a while until something does feel right. With bat, we had a word, and then eventually we grew into master. Yeah. So maybe that's the way to go as well.
1: So I agree. I agree. So and do some research. You know, like like Dan said, maybe research other words and other languages that mean master or mean dominant or mean. You know, something like that. And maybe one of those words will strike you. Always good lead into conversation if oh, you yeah. use something
0: different. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they, you know, if you say, well, gee, I don't really feel comfortable with you calling you sir. Mm-hmm. And they respond, well, better get used to it. Because that's the only way I'm, allow- I'll, you know, I'll allow myself to be represented. Right. And, and just to make it a little more complex, just real quickly, when I mentor people, I get to tell them what they are called right you know so there's an additional level of confusion and interest
1: yeah well and then when you use words that are already used like master and slave Mm -hmm. there's expectations that go with Mm -hmm. that yeah when you use partner instead of girlfriend there's other expectations that go with that so Mm -hmm. you know people people have other expectations when i went from submissive to slave Different expectations. You know, when I'm listening to the submissive circle that we just had tonight, you know, some are submissive, some are slaves, some are just trying things out. You could hear the different expectations Mm -hmm. that they had in their roles. You know, they don't call themselves slaves because they want to be able to say no. So they self-identify as submissives and, you know, things like that. So it's just
0: kind of neat. And it goes in reverse as well. Right. Mm -hmm. If I hear you call yourself master, then my expectations of of you Of how you interact and, you know, is different than if you call yourself Dom, you know, Um, and I'm more likely to have a mm, gosh, I hate to say judgmental, but if you're going to use the term mask, you got to label yourself master. There are some areas where I become a little more judgmental. I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but it is who I am.
1: Yeah, it is, you know. And if I hear someone call themselves slave, I look a little more closely at what they do and how they interact with their master.
0: But that's because you and I have gone through a process of earning those titles mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily appropriate for everybody to earn those titles the way we did. So it's really unnecessary for us to judge other people.
1: I totally agree with that. doesn't stop it from it happening. It doesn't stop it from happening. <laughs> Though we recognize it. We yeah. do recognize oh, yeah, yeah, it more yeah. often and we'll talk ourselves out of it, you know, yeah. and, and let ourselves know ah, that's probably not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Just let people be who they are. Yep. But it, it, it is a first response. Yep. So. I agree with you. So anyway, so come up with some, you know, maybe he is Lord, Dragon, King, <laughs> Supercock. There you go. I don't
0: go. know. <laughs> if you'd like to judge us, you can get a hold of us via the comment <laughs> form on the webpage, eroticawakening.com. Or write us at
1: dananddawn at
0: eroticawakening.com. There you will find uh, other ways to contact us at eroticawakening.com, as well as where we'll be presenting past podcast episodes linked to the newsletter and other stuff
1: all that stuff we're easy to stalk so and if you ever want to meet us just come by the columbus space
0: <laughs> and, good point uh, <laughs> side note if you do head over to *Robotic awakening i kind of added the ability to comment on each episode on the website now you've, you've always been able to do that via fat life mm-hmm. some people don't like fat life cool but now if you want to to comment on an episode, and you don't want to do it on Life, you can do it right on the website. Oh, that's kind of neat. Yes. I like that.
1: Well, do we get um, notified if that happens? Yeah, I hope so. So I hope so too. Uh, um, otherwise, I'll go yeah, yeah, make sure to
0: take a look at the website. That's how you block the old spammers. Oh, well, that's but right. You can comment until you take a look at it. That's right. I don't know if I need glasses or Viagra or what. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff spammers. Oh, sometimes.
1: spammers! like <laughs> Where'd you go with that? <laughs> uh, so we're going to uh,
0: listen to a little bit of Engorged Loins by Jeremy Pimples. I, You can find out more about this at Bad Poet Press. I am not going to try to describe it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to uh, explain what this is we're going to listen to. We're going to listen to it for a minute, and then you decide for yourself what it is.
2: He stood up tall and took the pitcher from her, then poured it into a glass he happened to have nearby he had already put his axe down before. He asked her what her name was. She said her name was Vanessa. She said she already heard that his name was Gabe, because she asked her grandma about it one time when she was in the window. She said her grandma was with a friend today and wouldn't be back until evening. She asked Gabe if he wanted to come inside and do some work in there. They did it in the shower. Steam poured up over the foggy glass. Then her hands hit up against it and wiped off a lot of the steam by accident because she was paying so much attention to doing it. Through the parts where there was no steam on the glass, you could see their bodies going at it like a deli worker lost in thought about his ex-wife, making a club sandwich and angrily slapping on extra slices of turkey. Then he came hard, like a bug hitting a windshield. Saturdays were so awesome.
0: Don, did you know that the bad pimples podcast is <laughs> higher rated than erotic awakening no it can't be possible take a moment to support the podcast rate us on apple podcast google play stitcher tune in or wherever you listen or just tell your friends so don welcome back from some of your travels you went to a poly summer camp i hear
1: i did so well that was what two weekends ago i guess so and you were supposed to go but work got in the way. That's your solo event that you like to present at. And uh, work told you you couldn't go. I know. I was accepted. I was on
0: the website and all that stuff. I know.
1: So I went and took your place. So instead of you canceling, I just went and took your place. And um, you're right. That was actually a pretty amazing event. So there was only 60 people and it was camping out in the woods of West Virginia. And it was just really beautiful so i only got to stay there friday through monday morning but it actually went through wednesday so and that was
0: and what did i tell you you
1: told me i wasn't going to want to leave and you're absolutely right so but i had made promises to family back home that i was going to take a couple days and visit Mm -hmm. so i i took that monday through wednesday and went back and visited So, but yeah, it was really hard to leave. So it was, uh, the Polly summer camp, like I said, it was in West Virginia and, um, maybe we'll post a link to it so other people can find it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you ate outdoors, you volunteered your time to help cook or clean up or whatever. And they have this big dome, like a dome tent that can hold, good gosh, probably a hundred people. And, uh, yeah, it was just amazing. So I did, um, Buddhism and Polly. And then I did eight poly tools, and they also had a class called um, NRE to MRE using NVC, so new relationship energy to mature relationship energy using nonviolent communication. Mm. So, and I actually got I actually got quite a bit about that. I'll end up writing about it at some point, but um, yeah, it was you get to know people when it's that small, yeah, and the way they've got it designed is that you want to get to know people. So like first thing in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning after breakfast, um, everybody gathers in the dome and you pick your you pick a random person, everybody picks a random person, and then you ask them how they're doing that day. For two minutes you are ask them questions, right? And then the bell rings and then they have two minutes to ask you questions that you answer. So it's not really a conversation, it's more a ask and answer. Was was thing. that the two
0: minute date? They called it the two minute date. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. No, that was else that, I did. that
1: was later. That was okay. in the evening. Um, one of the other things that they did. So that was kind of neat. And then they had the wheel of consent, which is actually going to be at BTL. So the people that taught it at mm-hmm. the Poly summer camp, we we chose that for BTL. So they'll be teaching that there, and that's really kind of neat because you learn how to. Um, give ask questions and give consent on different levels so that was that was Hmm. really amazing as well and then they had the the check-in in in the evening where you could check in with how you're doing for two minutes Mm -hmm. or 15 minutes they had two different two different time slots and that was really neat too but like i said all of it's designed so you get to know people better
0: it is absolutely, and I've done that experience. It's absolutely a wonderful experience. Um, if you only can go to one poly event a year, I would say go to Beyond the Love <laughs> here in Columbus. But if you can go to two, then say. Endless Poly Summer, I would absolutely make sure I made that one as well. So,
1: and you and I, if that's going to continue to be your solo
0: event, mm-hmm.
1: I may look at some of the other poly events that they have there because they have a whole season mm-hmm. full of events. So Fall got-
0: into Poly Uh uh-huh poly summer camp spring fling i think is one something like that and then there's one at new year's uh, i think it's called freeze your ass off probably Uh, so because they don't don't know what that one is yeah
1: it's even a smaller group and they do everything in the lodge is my understanding so but yeah i may have to pick one of those if if you're going to solo it next year i may have to pick one of those to go to myself Mm because go by myself because i had a really good time
0: all right let's talk about the uh power the uh, bd i'm sorry the scene (laughs) the kinky bdsm scene and maybe we'll get into some of the other scenes as well no we'll keep it right there and um really interesting i've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately Mm -hmm. and a lot of bdsm podcasts i forget to do that so well i have to admit some of them i find less valuable than others okay um and it, one of them that I listened to, and uh, I, you know, so, like I mentioned last week on last week's show, uh, "Power and Practice," I think that's the name of it. I'll have to look it up again. Okay. And it really neat to hear the transitioning from move. You know, as as time goes by, the people transition. Uh, one of them that I listened to is kind of the opposite of that. It's very commercial sounding. It's kind of like this Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm. Um, how can I make money off these BDSM people, right? Oh, so they're hey. suggesting here's how things work in in BDSM land, and it's funny that I hear some things and I'm like, well, that's not that's your perception of the scene, mm-hmm. but it's not really what the scene is, or your experience, not our experience, certainly it's not, their our, experience. And not yeah. our experience, So we're going to talk about some of them, and but and for that matter, people you hear people on fat life as well. They say, oh, I want to go to an event, but I I have to dress a certain way, or. Mm-hmm. Um, Do I have... So here's some myths of the scene is what we want to talk about today. So one of those things is if you are going to a scene, uh, an event for the first time and you identify as a submissive. Right. Do you have to serve all capital letter types?
1: Oh, absolutely not. So, but some people go in with the fear that they'll have to Mm -hmm. and that they're not allowed to say no to capital letter types. And that is uh, absolutely not the case. So if you go in as a single submissive, you're allowed to set your own
0: rules and your own boundaries. So that's that's what you get to do. Absolutely true. And that is true, um, and you and I can only speak for North America, but for all events in North America, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure you can find some fringe stupid events out there that that (laughs) they make these rules so they don't have to, any any skillfully led event. Mm -hmm. That was certainly true. Uh, What about the idea that alcohol is never part of BDSM? Uh, Not
1: true. Not true. For, I feel like
0: I should have this little buzzer.
1: <clears throat> well, for the most part, many of us believe that alcohol and BDSM do not mix well mm-hmm. or any substance, any substance. Right. Um, And and because you can't give consent if you're under the influence. Right. Or what we do is dangerous. Right. Do I really want someone that's stoned or drunk holding a knife to my throat? Right. So, but there are events that serve
0: alcohol. Absolutely. Good events. Well-run events, too. And Absolutely. these are not just these crappy little events. These are, you know, very respected, well-run events.
1: Some of them, and some of them is because they're in a swing club, mm-hmm. right? So alcohol is a norm in swing land, mm-hmm. and it just happens to be a fetish night. Or something like that. So but so it's mixed there because that's the way it is. And the well-run events that we know that serve alcohol, usually because it's a requirement of the hotel. Often, yep. Often. So do they mix? I don't think they mix very well. Are they never a part of BC- BDSM? Can't say that. Mm-hmm. So.
0: And nor would, now here at the Columbus space, we don't allow alcohol, alcohol on presence no. at all. Or uh, other alternative mind-altering substances, right? Right. The. But at some of the events we go to, they do have bars. I, it's I don't certainly we don't certainly see, and it's certainly not tolerated to be drunken. Right. But is there situations where somebody can have a beer before they go play, either they do. as top as bottom? They do. And and I've not seen it cause undue issues. Now, like you said, for ourselves. We simply avoid it so it doesn't come mm-hmm. up, because um, really the last thing you want to have happen is—and this is going to lead us to our next little thing—which is not on our list. So, haha.
1: Well, well, I want to touch one more thing on alcohol, though, okay. Because there is a big story um, in in CSF, which is National S- Sexual
0: Coalition of Freedom.
1: Yes, NC National Coalition for Sexual, sexual. Freedom, yes. right? <laughs> So they put out a newsletter like once a month or something like that. And Mm -hmm. there's a big story going on right now where the person only had one glass of wine and they're calling consent violation. They're saying that they were not that they it was a submissive and that they were under the influence and therefore not able to give consent after one glass of wine. And they're holding the dominant accountable. So you take risk if you add alcohol into play, you know, not just physical
0: risk, but other kinds of risk as well. And this leads us into our, our <laughs> next question. Okay. Is your uh, 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 I can't think of the word, reputation in the scene important?
1: Oh, I think it is. I think it's important because your reputation. But,
0: but no, not your opinion, though. Have you seen it? Have you seen it impact people? Yes.
1: Mhm. Absolutely. So if you have a bad reputation in the community, there is more than likely the possibility that you'll be pushed out of the community. You know, if you have a reputation as a consent violator, if you have a reputation of hell not taking showers on a regular basis, <laughs> right? Or anything like that, then you can be pushed out. Um Good reputations are usually the people that end up with a lot of play partners, if that's what they want, or really good friendships, or things like that. So I think reputation is important.
0: I'm gonna, I I I do agree that reputation is important, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna s- disagree okay. that it's not that important. You and I know people. Now we're not talking about registered sex offenders and that kind of reputation, right? But you and I certainly know. People that do not have good reputations, that we continually hear bad things about them, about their consent violation and that kind of thing. And what happens is they end up creating their own. They'll leave the groups and create their own groups. They'll create their own spaces. Like a friend's community sort of thing. Yeah. So as much as... If someone were to ask me, hey, what do you think about this person? I could respond with my opinion, my view. Mm -hmm. Heck, I could even point out some here, some threads from some people that this person's impacted in a negative way. Right. People don't always ask. But if they, or if they offer something
1: that the person asking is looking for, Mm -hmm. you know, there's got to be a benefit there somewhere if people are still going to their groups and stuff. yeah. So. I, mm. I wish...
0: The case of your reputation is important was a bigger deal, but it's so easy to change your Fet handle yeah. nowadays. Uh, it used to be, and again, we don't want to go into the, the good old days, <laughs> you know. But the time of vetting before you get to be involved in the community is over. So there's that one. Yeah. Um, Don is aftercare essential after every scene. No. I have actually heard recently someone say that if you don't provide aftercare, you're a bad top and you should be avoided. I hear that all the time in submissive
1: circles. And Mm -hmm. it's usually by either someone that didn't get aftercare when they needed it or someone that's really new and has done reading in weird, you know, in Mm
0: -hmm. in, in different places. And I feel like it's something that you and I used to say.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it was because again, you know, that expectation is set that, you know, the dominant should always care for the submissive and submission is a gift and, you know, all that type of stuff. And, um, but then I found people, we came across people that absolutely do not do aftercare or want aftercare, you know, and, I had to listen to them to find out why, because I thought aftercare was always needed and um, and always needed by the person that beat you or did whatever, mm-hmm. right? And then we came across Femcar long time ago. I don't even know if she still presents, but she was very much into humiliation, degradation humiliation. And she does not want aftercare. She said it would screw up her head if she got aftercare after something like that, that she would get so into the humiliation that the aftercare would just like slam her right out of it and screw up the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, I know other people that um, if they have an interrogation scene, they absolutely do not want aftercare by the person that gave them the interrogation. It it screws with the energy. So we know people that are part of the... uh, Well, they have more than, they have a lot of scenes in one night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And for some of them, they don't go into a deep Mm headspace. It's all about the physical pleasure. So they can go from a spanking to a whipping to a punching to a a whatever. And they don't need aftercare between the scenes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And and some people just, they they spring right up and away they go. Mm -hmm. For me, I love aftercare. I, lo- I love aftercare, but there's a reason behind it. I love to need aftercare. I love to have a scene that's so mm, deep mm-hmm. and so vulnerable that I need aftercare afterwards. Right. So, but it's more of a scene that I'm looking for that results in the aftercare than the aftercare. So, but yeah, I like the scenes where aftercare is needed.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, clearly, I, I'm going to buzz. This one's also a busted myth that not all people need aftercare after every scene. But you should ask. And what mm-hmm. aftercare is, is varies from person to person. Mm-hmm. One person's aftercare is being cuddled and wrapped in a blanket and fed chocolate and water. And another person's aftercare is, put you know, take me to uh, another person. Who gives me my aftercare? I played with someone in Utah right. who had a designated aftercare person. After mm-hmm. I was done playing with her, I took her to this other person, and they provided aftercare.
1: Because aftercare can be very intimate. So there's someone that I play with that um, rarely gives aftercare. Or if they do, <gasps> sorry, I had the <laughs> hiccups again. but Or if they do, it's very short aftercare. And then I usually track you down.
0: There you go. So one more myth to bust, and maybe it's not a myth. Do all masters want more than one slave? Uh,
1: again, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I definitely have the hiccups. That I'm is sorry. The, the
0: buzz noise for today. <laughs> so the reality is that we have at Power Exchange Summit, we actually do relationship tables different styles of relationships and one of those styles of relationships is monogamous power exchange because some people really think all power exchange is about you know a master with multiple slaves and then the far more rare slave with multiple masters but the reality is many people are comfortable with monogamy monogamy is the way they want to go and uh, they don't see and for that matter it may not just be a monogamy thing Um, you could certainly be polyamorous, but only want one slave. So it is a busted myth. Not all masters want more than one slave. Um, but if it's something you're worried about as a slave, getting into a relationship, ask that master first. Absolutely. You know, when, you and I first started 18, 19 years ago,
1: um, not having more than one slave was actually the norm. Mm -hmm. Having one slave was the norm to be totally possessive of that one slave and that one slave provide all the service needed. And it's only been what in the last 10, 12 years that we've seen that shift. Mm -hmm. But like you said, there's still those that um, do not play with others.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they don't want other slaves. So. Absolutely. And our final one, and I'll just knock this one out really quickly. Power exchange, and this is a really uh, one that really uh, people are under the impression that power exchange requires love. That most power exchange relationships, if not all of them, actually are based in love. Uh, That is another myth that we will say buzz to. Mm -hmm. Many power exchange relationships include love, but it is certainly not a requirement. And... uh, if you need love as part of your relationship, make sure that you're going into it with that in mind. I have had a variety of power exchange relationships that have sometimes have included all include some level of emotional connection if they've lasted more than a few months. But sometimes they're just there for training. Or sometimes it, that emotional connection is just a fondness or uh, an appreciation for the person. Sometimes it's, and often I'll say for myself, often it becomes love, but very rarely does it become romantic love. So make sure as you approach those relationships, if that's the kind of relationship you want, a loving power exchange relationship, make sure that you know that and don't go into any assumptions that that's the kind of relationship you're going to end up in.
1: That's very true. And I always like to point out that we used to have a friend many years ago. That she absolutely did not want to be in a loving power exchange relationship. She wanted a power exchange relationship. She wanted the power exchange to come first and only. And when the dominant ended up falling in love with her, she gave the collar back and left the relationship. She was afraid that the love would temper the power power exchange. And it
0: did. And as cute as it would be to continue this with your little hiccups, we'll go ahead and wrap up right there. Our end music is provided by Pocket Universe. You are currently listening to a song called Whim person we've seen most recently is impact hazard the current sender of
1: tentacles is stephanie the provider of graphic novels is johnny jackhammer and the good witch
0: of the north and the official food that goes on boobs is garlic cheese and white pepper sprinkled popcorn bye don bye dan